Football is back, and right now, Bet365 offer in a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football, with games being played nearly every day. And with Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through graphics and text. A bit like watching teletext for the results when I was a kid. Um, Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. everybody and welcome to pod on the tyne your go-to newcastle united podcast brought to you by the athletic my name's taylor payne i'm joined as ever by george culkin hi george hello 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 oh wow that's an interesting uh an interesting hello that's good though you're right you sound chipper i'm all right yeah i've swapped positions for um <laughs> recording purposes and i'm i'm actually perched on my own bed so i don't know i feel kind of oh. uh, yeah it's good i'm, I'm happy what are you wearing uh just a negligee nice okay good <laughs> Chris, how are you? Apart from being sick in your mouth at the moment, how are you? Are you all right? Well, I am being sick in my mouth and I'm also looking out the window <laughs> and I'm slightly concerned because uh, washing is out and it's now peeing it down, so I haven't done very well. Oh, oh Mr. Misery yet again. Oh, there we go. See, it's lovely blue skies here. Chris, you should have put your washing out in my house. <laughs> I live close at George, though, and you know, the, the miserable weather follows him around, so. <laughs> That's very says true. Mr. Says Mr. Happy. Exactly, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm very happy. Uh, we've got a wonderful bumper, uh, fun-filled and interesting fact-packed episode for you today. Uh, coming on later on, we've got Matt Slater, who is our sports news guru. He's written many, many pieces and been involved in uh, many takeover stories over the years. He's going to be coming on and adding a little bit of context to the whole Newcastle United-Saudi Arabia takeover Premier League melting pot of nonsense that we are currently trying to work our way through uh, so listen out for that later on of course as well at the moment we've got a 30 day free trial uh, for The Athletic make sure you visit www.theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod uh, to get your 30 day free trial and access to all the best sports writing in the country however let's talk about the West Ham game last night George what do you think 2-2 at the end a decent performance a good point or a chance missed oh i have to say this is like the first one that i kind of lost interest in halfway mm. through yeah and um draw was probably a fair result we saw some you know we saw some sort of decent football in the first half in particular the second half was pretty poor i thought newcastle are scoring goals which is a nice a nice thing and it's something that chris has written about um you know sort of the the contrast, the stark contrast, not too directly before lockdown because we'd already seen that change of formation that Steve Bruce had done, but certainly, my God, to the start of the season, you know, I think having sort of got to the points total there, there on, it's it's going to be difficult for us to sort of be gripped, I think, by sort of the football that that happens next. But you know, six games beaten, unbeaten, sorry, and you know, it's a it's a decent point, I suppose. The sort of one good thing about this team is that they find a way to react. I mean, it's not necessarily always in the space of the same game, but that's certainly what what happened against West Ham, you know. And I suppose oh, it's almost like we're spoilt, isn't it? I'm getting slightly bored with the games. I'm not sort of, I'm not fearful. 
which is kind of quite nice. But anyway, Chris was there, so he he probably has a better sort of overview uh, of the match. Yeah, well, someone described someone in the press box yesterday said because I wasn't obviously there for the cup game. Asked if uh, if George was the cup goalkeeper like Darlow and I was the the Premier League goalkeeper <laughs> like Dubravka. But I think they've probably got things the wrong yes. way around there. But um, yeah, the was it was a strange game. Well, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. I, hang on a second. <laughs> I mean, I, I am gorgeous like Carl Darlow. Carl Darlow's a very good looking man. I mean, Charlotte yeah. would tell you, who's been on this podcast before from True Faith, would tell you that Dubravka's gorgeous as well. So, mm, okay. Well, we're both gorgeous. They, that's they fine. both have a lovely head of hair on them as well, which I'm a, a big fan of. Yes, I mean it looks like Carl Darlow uses sort of um, a sort of tub of lard on his hair every every match. There's a lot of there's a it's lot like of like a 1950s sort of... cinema kind of icon, isn't he? Like a, a brill creamed kind of a fighter pilot in a World War yeah, II Yeah, he's film. got he's got uh, yeah, absolutely. yeah, smoke me a kipper freckles. I'll be back for breakfast. Freckles? freckles. Where did I get freckles from? Freckles? Smoke me a kipper freckles. What? What's happened? Where what's happened to me? He's also got uh, absolutely beautiful teeth. Well, you know, that's good. Have a look out for them. Have a look out. Uh, just, just make sure Isaac Hayden doesn't find out about this, George, because he'd be getting jealous. He's out for the rest of the season, though, isn't he? Now, probably. Is that so. is that right? Is it? Is he is he done for the? Is that his That's race what Bruce run? Suggested, is it? Yeah, he's saying he's That's nicked, a shame, nicked a hamstring, it? is what he said. Uh, nicked it, a is, it is a shame. I mean, just going to the, the game in general from yesterday, I thought actually first half I quite enjoyed as a game. Although there wasn't loads of clear cut chances, I thought it was quite an open match. I thought both teams sort of were were, were probing at various points. And Newcastle's goal, actually, first goal I thought was an excellent goal. Really, really, really lovely, good. Oh, lovely great. bit of football, wasn't it? Um, lovely bit of football. Joe Linton, nice touch in the middle. Sam Maximan waits for the for the overlap after getting the ball, and then lovely little through ball to Kraft and great, great low ball in the centre, and Almiron finishes. And so, yeah, as George said, they responded well. Second half was was a hard watch in general. I just thought it was that the game it looked like. I mean, Newcastle obviously have played so many times, five times in fifteen days, and they, they looked lethargic. They looked tired at times. It's funny because there's been a lot of debate about this unbeaten six-game run or the fact that actually it's only one win and four at home. Is it is it so positive? Is it so negative? Well, I think for Newcastle to go unbeaten in six Premier League games in general has to be seen as a positive for, for a start. But it hasn't happened overly frequently yeah. in recent years. As you know, though, Chris, we can't have anything nice without it being just tinged slightly with a bit of shit on the end. Can we? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, just, very just cannot have anything great, can we? It's just gotta, there's got to be a little bit of shittiness added to it. Um, but I, I, I just think <laughs> Chris yeah, just completely I mean, I, I ignoring it. Um, I don't really know how to respond to that. I don't. I don't really know how to that because it's true. It's true. But I don't really know how to add to that. <laughs> right, you okay. can't. It's a perfectly presented point. What I will say though, Chris, is and uh, something which I noticed quite a lot recently is uh, Miggy Armiron looks like a, a different uh, type of player now that he's not shackled to one of the two touchlines, playing in that sort of free role as a number ten behind the striker. He just looks like the happiest little lad that's ever kicked a ball. It's just never stopped smiling. He's just running around like a like a Labrador that's been let out of a car after a four hour journey. Yeah, but just, hang on, well, hang on. He's always been like that. If you kicked him in the bollocks, he'd still smile. I know, but he it's just, just looks some, it's something different about him now that he's moved into the middle of the park. I don't know what it is. He just looks. I don't know. I can't explain it. He just looks so happy. He's like a little bee. He's like a little bee that buzzes around the pitch. You a can't help bee. but like him, can you? That lovely smile, and he, he just seems to always be buzzing around and, and just chasing everything. But yeah, I agree, he does look like, and I, this is part of, the, as George mentioned, the, the piece that I've written, which is on The Athletic at the minute, is sort of looking at how Newcastle have gone from score. It took them 12 games at the start of the season to score the first 10 Premier League goals, 
I think in the in the thirteen games before lockdown, they scored eight goals, and they've scored ten and four since. Now there's a variety of, of factors behind that. The, the the quality of teams have played. Obviously, half of the match against Sheffield United nearly was against ten men. But also, I think this change in formation more than anything has certainly liberated those forward players. Sam Maximan looks at, like he stepped it up a level for a start, but also him and Almiron, as you say, are higher up the pitch. Almiron's in that more central role, but really it's that, that those three behind the striker, just they, they all roam around and switch positions. Maybe it doesn't come across on TV as much, but yesterday at the game, every five minutes or so, you'd, you'd look at where the three of them were and Joe Linton would have switched over at the right and Sam Maxman to the left and Almiron would drift out, the others would drift in and obviously Joe Linton was in the centre for the bit of the first goal where he flicks it on and so that, that fluidity and just having the, those three higher at the pitch and having a proper centre forward up front, someone who in Dwight Gale who actually makes those runs has that sort of dynamism about him is someone to sort of hit and play off I think it just has made such a difference to them and now they really do look far more of an attacking threat they didn't have tons and tons of opportunities yesterday but they took their chances well which again early in the season they weren't doing and Almiron was getting into the box for that chance from Kraft which early in the season would he have been in that position I'm not not so sure he would have been it's interesting, isn't it? That thing where it's been a, it's been that season where at the start of the season, Bruce comes in, he wants to play a more sort of attacking football. It doesn't work. It's disastrous. It gets to the point of Leicester and that horrible thrashing. But he has the sense at that point, and for someone who's, you know, often criticised for, you know, a lack of quote-unquote sort of tactical nous, which I, I, I'm afraid I think has always been very unfair, he had the sense Is to change it you? at that point. Well, I don't have any tactical now, so I don't know what I'm four 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 two clever by half. I don't know, but but he got to that Leicester game and it was like, okay, fine, I can't do this. It's it's three at the back or five at the back, and we shore it up and we grind out points. And oh my god, yeah. was it a grind? It really was. It was but horrible. it was disgusting. I mean, it was it was horrific. But they found a way to do it. And mm. going to our back to our pods around that time, it was like sort of. You know, Newcastle United, what the fuck? It was that, you know, they they did it. We don't know how they did it. And eventually, whether they got found out or whether it just stopped working and it was, you know, it was more like a sort of, okay, fine, they're now getting the results that their sort of performance deserve. And again, he had he had the wit to sort of change it again and, and try it again. And it's worked so much better. It's worked yeah. so much better this time. And again, he deserves, he deserves credit for that. So do the players. They've... You know, it's been pragmatic in that sense. It's sort of been forced on them at various points. Mm. Um, but it's working, and it's such a relief. I mean, I think probably when we stand back from this season, obviously there'll have been that three-month kind of break, which is extraordinary, and for, for every possible reason it's extraordinary. But we will be remembering, or trying not to remember, the sort of really brutal football, but at least it's ending with a sense of this is what they can do or this is what they could do. And if you do put in a, you know, if you do put in a kind of really good or a decent forward, it, not having a go at Gale, but you know you know what I mean, um, yeah. into this system, then there is something, you know, there's something quite good there. And it, suddenly they do have a few options. And um, no, it's been, it's been very encouraging. I am being harsh if, when I say that sort of, I mean, I, I just found the second half against West Ham sort of, you know, a bit dull, but at least it's dull. And there, I think you said, Chris, in your piece, they had more possession than West Ham again yesterday, didn't they? And you know, yeah, did, that's yeah. now become that's now becoming a more familiar pattern that they're either having as much possession as the opposition, or even a little bit more. And there, the the that first goal, well, that is just a beautiful goal. I mean, that is a beautiful. 
sweeping, goal. wasn't it? It was sweeping. Yeah, I, really lovely. And it is just so good to see Almiron and and St Maximum further up the pitch causing teams damage as opposed to trying to get Newcastle out of trouble. Yeah, I thought as as the game went on, I thought we started to tire and I thought West Ham were look, looking tired as well. I think that probably contributes to what you were saying about the game becoming a little bit dull and a bit pedestrian towards the in that sort of last third of the game. I thought we started to look and a couple of players went down injured and a few people were kind of pulling up with cramp and stuff like that. And it's it I mean it's not a surprise when you consider how many games have been packed into the last into the last two weeks, Chris, is it? Oh not at all. And I mean Bruce said on before the game that, that there was going to be changes and he's promised that there will be going forward. He's hinted strongly that Alan St. Maximan won't start on Wednesday, although he did do that last week as well. But I think we are now getting the point where he he's, he's worried that he there's too many. He needs a rest. Um, and if Sam Maximan comes out of the team, I touch upon this in the piece as well, that's when I do fear for Newcastle a bit in attack because as, as good as they have been, as good as the likes of Almiron and others have been, Sam Maximan's the one who really sparks them in life. And as soon as he went off with about 20-odd minutes to go against West Ham, I thought Newcastle did look largely a lifeless in attack. It wasn't the same, they didn't have the same ingenuity. And, I mean, at, at uh, Man City, how many chances are Newcastle going to get? I suppose that's a different different question. Is it is it really the sort of occasion for Alan St. Maximan in terms of if there is going to be a game, maybe you'd say, yeah, we'll rest him for part of that and just bring him on with 20 minutes to go. But it's it's about for Newcastle trying to, 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 to manage these last few games and, and see where they can get to. I do worry about motivation levels now for Newcastle because with fatigue, with injuries, without the likes of Isaac Hayden, if he isn't going to play, I just think he plays such a vital role in that midfield and against someone like Man If you don't have Isaac Hayden there making... I mean, there was a there was a passenger play yesterday where he made about five tackles in about two or three minutes and just all of them are very important to break up play. That's what he does, isn't it? Just goes around being an The trademark sliders. Yeah, just going around being a pain in the arse. He's great. I think he's he's what I would call he's what he's what Brian Moore. Do you remember Brian Moore, the old commentator on ITV? He's what Definitely. he would call all action. That's what he is. Not not mm-hmm. always good action, but just always action. Yeah, great. That's fair enough. I, I like him. I like him a lot. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Harry's sponsors, Pod on the Tyne. Uh, as a listener to the podcast, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover. And going to harrys.com, uh, Pod on the Tyne, right now, we'll get you that trial pack. That's harrys.com forward slash Pod on the Tyne. How come I have to read these all the time? Why can't we get George to do one of these sometime. George, you're the one who's used these Harry's razors. My cheeks have never been smoother. <laughs> I can do that. Wonderful. If you want me to do that, I'll just clip clip that. Here we go. <clears throat> Harry's razors. My cheeks have never been smoother. George, is it time to uh, to now book the, the open top bus and hire the confetti cannon as mathematical safety has been uh, assured we, is this something we want to be celebrating or is it is it a very Newcastle thing to look at that and think oh that's good when really we, we shouldn't be in these positions should we no no of course not but I think if you I think if you if we all turn back time if I could turn back wow. time I'd, yeah I'd go back talking of cannons you said confetti cannon Cher sat on a cannon for the video of that song didn't she 
Yes, she did. It was. I thought you meant Fabian oh. Cher for a second there. <laughs> no, no, the other one. I was like, I don't oh, remember this. Excellent. No. In, in fishnet stockings. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Oh wow, that might be the no. dream I had. No, she's she sat. On, she was wearing that incredibly um, sort of risque body stocking for that video, wasn't she? Um, but if I could turn back time, uh, in fact, if I could turn back time, perhaps I would be on the set of that video watching Cher in that body stocking. Anyway, if I could turn back time to the start of this season, um, I think Newcastle, I, would, I wouldn't have given my right arm for this, but I think we would all have been saying, great, you know, that's, that's good. Because although, you know, the, the sort of the, the Benitez-Bruce debate is so wearisome and boring and dull, there was a trapdoor underneath the club and the team in the summer. And a lot of those issues are still there. Congratulations to me for saying issues correctly. You know, they were there. And we've, we know people have walked away from the club. And there was that feeling of disillusion around the place and it fought, gradually falling apart. And Steve Bruce only having three weeks of pre-season. And, you know, as we've then seen, the, the football that was played and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's definitely not time for an open-top bus. But it is right and OK to say that... Bearing in mind the circumstances that surrounded the club this uh, this time last year, it's a decent achievement and something that we should be happy about, possibly more relieved about than happy, but it could have been a whole lot worse, particularly with the subject that dare not mention its name, although we will be talking about it to Matt Matt Slater in a bit. It was you know really important that Newcastle stay in the Premier League this season and they've done it and they've done it with a fair bit to spare. And it's just nice to be ending the season not feeling anxious. Yeah, from a, a kind of watching it as a fan, you think, well, I'm glad to see us. We go down uh, by a goal twice, and both times we come back. Now you would be worried that in the situation we're in, maybe the foot would come off the gas and they wouldn't actually be that bothered about getting back into the game because, you know, what? what's the point in chasing it now? We've we've kind of played out the season. We know where we're going to end up pretty much. Uh, but I think it's nice to see the team fighting back and showing that spirit that they're still wanting to pick up points. They're still wanting to get higher up the league. And as you know, there's there's money involved for every Premier League place that you, uh, you know, jump up in the league. Um, and, and, you know, who knows? Even Europa League could be a possibility. Dependent, it's definitely not a possibility, is it? Depending on the on the how results go over the next couple of weeks, uh, we've got six games left, um, and Man City obviously on Wednesday is 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 the uh, the next one coming up. Watford, Spurs, Brighton, and Liverpool to play as well. Where do you see the points coming there, Chris? I think I can see where the points aren't going to be coming from. Well, nothing would surprise me with Newcastle. Uh, like yesterday, turned up at the match, it wouldn't have surprised me if they'd won four nil, lost four nil, or if it was the two two draw that ended in. It's just it it. As you say that the fact that they're four back is is great to see, and what is clear from the the camp at the moment is that there is this sort of attitude that they want to prove people wrong or have wanted to prove people wrong. Bruce has said it, but also you can tell it was from some of the players that that, that they they want yeah. to to show that, that, that there is more to them than, than than has been suggested in a lot of quarters. And I mean, it was it was actually quite a feisty Bruce post match press conference yesterday. He was quite Ooh, short. He was asked bullish, he was asked about the takeover. Yeah. 
he was asked about the takeover and he was quite abrupt in basically saying he was he was he was sick of it. And I, and I can't really blame him. I know some people are taking offence at this, but I can't blame him. I mean, what can he say? He doesn't. He, he's answered the question so many times, and he can't actually he's got say no anything other about info, it. Has he? <laughs> and he was actually he was he was quite blunt. And then as he is, because he's he's just a nice bloke, he was then apologetic to the guy who was quite blunt too, because the guy had asked quite. He was like, oh no, I, it was it wasn't aimed at you. It's just I keep getting getting asked this question. But I think with with this Newcastle side. Yeah, there there is that sort of character and attitude about them that 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 they they feel some of the coverage has been uh, overly negative. And when you were asking George before about should the should the button be got out, the the problem I sometimes have with the way that people react to to what's happening in Newcastle is that everything has to be placed in context of of of, of the situation that they're in. Do, do should Newcastle United be in a, in a relegation battle every season? No, but they're owned by Mike Ashley, have been owned by Mike Ashley for the last 13 years. And so there have been perennial, uh, perennially fighting against the drop. And last summer, people go, oh, Newcastle spent 80 million or whatever. Yeah, but they signed a 40 million pound striker who isn't a striker. They lost more than 50% of their goals last summer and didn't replace them. Plus Premier League experience with that. There, there are so many reasons why this season was always going to be a struggle and why therefore do I class it as success what they've done no but am I positive about the fact that they've reached this stage earlier than I thought they would yes and I do think that that therefore there needs to be um, some sort of praise given for that or at least just accepting that it, they're in a better position than we all thought that just because you say that doesn't and you accept that doesn't mean that you think that Newcastle should have been in this position to begin with and should be yeah. like this under Mike Ashley yeah. but that is yeah, the exactly. reality of the situation I, I, don't, I don't understand why that can't be accepted that 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 is just that just how they what they have become under Mike Ashley unfortunately and that's why we all want the takeover that's why there's the myriad mm. reasons why we want this change because then yeah. they can break out of this cycle unusually wise words from Waffles eh? wow I know incredible George. Definitive, yes. Man City on Wednesday night. How do we approach this? If we approach it the way we approached it in the FA Cup, you know, it's going to be a massacre, isn't it? But how do how do we approach this any differently? Like, what? How do we get something out of City? Uh, turn up, lose, come home, go on the next one. Come on, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Loving the optimism there from George Colton. Nothing well, I mean, that, doesn't care anymore. Doesn't matter. I, th- I, I, you know... Five at the back has been the way that Newcastle have approached those games. It was horrible in the cup um, for lots of different reasons. I can't imagine that it'll change change a great deal. Um, but you know, it'll have to be one of those games where everybody's on. And I mean, we saw what Southampton did, and um, you know, it's possible to do. We've seen that it's possible to do. Um, you'll take a battering, whatever happens, and you yeah. just have to hope that sort of everybody's on form and. You take your chance. I'm not. I'm not anticipating that personally. But give Kevin De Bruyne a chance to win the goal of the month competition. On yeah, his own. yeah. Potentially, yeah. I'd like to see someone try and tackle him, which they didn't do during the FA Cup game. Don't, don't yeah, just I give him the room. I think that's it. That would be nice. Yeah, he got a lot of respect during that game, didn't he? I, I would have loved to have seen someone just go and have a good dig at him, just for you know, let him know you're there, early doors, that kind of thing. Anyway, um, we're going to wrap things up a little bit there, and we're going to talk uh, to Matt Slater now about that wonderful topic, George's favourite thing in the world, uh, the impending takeover of the Premier League and their role in all of this, uh, Saudi Arabia, piracy, and all of that lovely stuff. Here we go.
Matt, thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us. Really what we want to know is a little bit of background about this takeover. I mean, it's been dragging on for so long now. It feels like we've all aged about 90 years. I think you've said in public that as you know, you've reported on loads of takeovers in the past, that this is the most complicated one you've reported on. Can you explain why, please? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's a few things. I mean, right from the beginning, um, when I think it was the Wall Street Journal first, um, you know, revealed that this, that this was, this was, you know, in the offing. I think we obviously, you know, you guys knew all about Amanda Staveley and previous efforts she's made to buy the club, but this. You know, let's be honest. It's it's this this the Saudi angle, isn't it, that makes this really complicated? I think that came in January-ish. You know, I speak to people that do these deals. I speak to lawyers and uh, mergers and acquisition guys in in London and New York. I mean, I'm not going to you know pretend I'm like their best friends or anything, but these are the people I sort of you know talk to about club purchases and investments and what have you. And right from the beginning, there were there were things that didn't make sense about this deal. You know, I mean, some of them were just. Yeah, there's a lot of professional jealousy. There hadn't been a really big takeover of a Premier League club for a while. Obviously, Newcastle had been this sort of kind of, you know, like the next Man City, if that makes sense. This kind of, it's a one-club city. They've got good heritage, great fan base, all the things that you guys discuss every week, right? That's all known. And which sleeping giant can we revive? And it was sort of often Leeds United was discussed, Newcastle United, and 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 so on. And you know Villa were in play for a bit, and they've they've changed hands a few times. So there was often a lot of conversation about Newcastle United, and then this sort of Saudi angle came along, and and people were thinking, well, right, that's interesting. I I I'm surprised that the Saudis, if they're going to kind of enter this space, would go with a project. Again, I'm I'm speaking respectfully here. If if money's no object, why don't they buy Man United? or someone that's kind of a little bit higher up the pyramid, it, you know, if truly money's no object, and if this is about, um, you often hear this in, in, in circles when they talk about kind of um, the Middle East, you know, saving face and all that being really important. If this is all part, another 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 arm in the kind of tussle they're having with Qatar, why 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 take time with Newcastle? You know, that was that was sort of talked about. Um, I'll be honest, Amanda Staveley was, was, has continued to be talked about for the last three months. You know, why her? What's she bringing to the table? Um, you know, how many deals has she actually done? Uh, we can maybe come back to that in a minute. Um, but like, and I do say professional jealousy, I think, you know, does play a part in some of these conversations. So, that, you know, people were kind of kind of picking up bits of the story. Oh, I don't, that doesn't make sense. And why are they doing that? And why are they doing this? And then as it's sort of gone on and we've, we've realised, right, Saudi Arabia, they, they pose dilemmas and challenges to the Premier League's process. And, it, and, and, and I think we're, we're probably going to spend the next five minutes talking about piracy, aren't we? So, so it, it's been a combination of people have been like, oh, I don't there's, there's things about this deal I don't really understand. And why are the Rubin brothers there? And why would someone give 10% to Staveley? What's she doing there? And, you know, why are the Saudis buying Newcastle? And why now? And to, to this, what we've been really kind of focused on for the last couple of months the piracy issue, and, it, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I've been saying this for a while, it is the piracy issue that is holding this up. So maybe we want to get into that. Yeah, I mean, so that's 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 very helpful as, as background. I mean, I think everybody has been briefed at, at various points in the process, but certainly both sides were sort of told when this whole started that they were looking at maybe a four-week process. Now, it's we're now, you know, three times that 
that length. Can you explain why that's been drawn out? I mean, obviously, we've we've had coronavirus. I mean, I suppose that's probably the the one of the big answers to that question, and also how long it's t- it took to kind of get project restart um, done. But can you? Because I, I think a lot of the feedback we get from Newcastle fans is, oh, this is the Premier League being incompetent. There's some kind of corruption here. That you know, why are Newcastle being penalised for what's happening in Saudi Arabia in terms of piracy when you can buy a Amazon Fire Stick and you know do the same sort of thing here? Now I know that's very very simplistic, but if you could, if you could sort of educate us on that, that would be very very helpful. Yeah, I'll try. I mean, I, I see these things as well. I, I do find this whole idea of the, the Fire Stick argument. I'm, I'm sorry, that's nonsense. It's, quite, I mean, it's just a total misunderstanding of what BLQ uh, has been um, and 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 the Saudi government's involvement and, and and at one end being kind of direct involvement as an allegation to at the very best being a blind eye, you know, a blind eye for three years. Um, so I think that, you know, that that's, a, that's a strange comparison to make, frankly. So the reason that um, BLQ, the BLQ be in dispute is so fundamentally challenging and difficult for the Premier League is, is this. Be in are a fantastic partner uh, of not just Premier League, um, but lots of British sports, lots of global sports. They, you know, like like a lot of things that the Qataris do, they've 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 thrown money at this. They've they've jumped into this this space enthusiastically, and um, they have um, they spent an awful lot of money on rights. And um, being sport have grown really fast, and they own they own pretty much all the premium sports content um, across the Middle East and North Africa. So they're a serious player. I think they're the third biggest investor in, in, in Premier League rights. Um, three years ago, Qatar fell out with its partners, with its neighbours. Um, I'm not sure we want to really get into that, do we? <laughs> I mean, we probably it, don't need it, to. No, no, it's because we know it's a massive diplomatic dispute, um, and it's got it's got very bitter. It's gone on a long time. It's gone on long, longer than people thought, and I think some of the other nations are probably now quite keen to to move on. But between Saudi and Saudi and Qatar in particular, UAE to a lesser extent, it's it's still it's still a very fierce um, um, row that doesn't appear to be going away. So um, pretty soon after uh, Saudi severed ties, a pirate operation popped up called Bialqu. Everyone understands the play there on um, be in. And it's been running for three years and BN have been very obsessed about it and have made uh, submissions to all their partners. You know, what are you going to do about this? We're, we're, losing, we're losing money hand over fist. We're going, to have to, we're going to have to hand some rights back. We're going to have to lay people off. You know, can you please help us? The Premier League did. And, and that's because the Premier League always do. The Premier League, um, you know, have built their reputation, their brand, their wealth on the close relationships they have with nearly all, let's be honest, pay TV um, partners. They opened up a Asia office, their first overseas office, for example, in Singapore a year or so ago, and that was to put boots on the ground in that fight. It was very much about um, tackling piracy. They shut down people here. You know, they go after pub landlords. They go after dodgy feeds. They even prosecuted someone selling BLQ boxes on the Edgware Road last year. And nine times they tried to take legal action because the way um, uh, intellectual property theft cases go is you are, if you're going to follow the WTO rules, is you you prosecute in the in the country in the in the terrain 
in the market where it's happening. Now, this is really the when we get to the kind of what did the WT report, report mean and what did it find? You know, what, what, what were the problems for Saudi Arabia? You know, it, it said that you are not following the rules. You are not giving people legal recourse. You, you've got to open up your, your, your courts at, at a minimum. So the Premier League knows that. The Premier League didn't need to be told that. The Premier League, you know, before anyone had mentioned Newcastle United, were annoyed with the Saudis, were annoyed with the Saudi state. That's all been going on for a while. I, I, I've seen the emails, I've spoken to people that, will, that, that have said for the last year or so, the Premier League has been lobbying the British government to go have a word with Saudis, please. Because not only are they pinching the Premier League, they're pinching Wimbledon, they're pinching F1, they're pinching, you name it. FIFA have been onto them, UEFA have been onto them. La Liga, Bundesliga, they've all, they've all, they don't agree on much, but they kind of agree on piracy. So, you know, Saudi has managed to unite the football world. Now, you then throw Newcastle into the mix. And this is where I do have massive sympathy for Newcastle United fans. I understand the whole backstory with Ashley. I've written about it. I get it. But your potential owner has, at best, been letting someone... And let's, you know, can we just be sensible and mature about this? Do you really think... Things like this, of this sophisticated, it is probably the most sophisticated piracy operation as well, ever, um, because BN have spent a fortune on trying to shut them down and it just keeps popping up. It just, you just, you just can't, you just can't kill it. It's like weeds in the garden. Um, do you really think that kind of goes on in Saudi Arabia, given everything we know about Saudi Arabia? I mean, come on. I mean, just so, so as I say, at best, Saudi has tolerated this and ignored the football industry, the sports rights industry, asking them to do something about it. Now now Saudi Arabia's around the table saying, well, can we buy one of your clubs? So at a time, bear in mind, when we've gone behind closed doors and when TV contracts are more important than ever before and probably going to be very, very important for the next year, 18 months, who knows before we are really back in stadiums, really confident to go back. So the TV partners are really important and you've had one of them who's been asking for help and the Premier League has given them help and now here, oh hello, here comes Saudi Arabia wanting to buy one of our clubs. Now, the way I've been explaining it to people is there's a win-win here. The Premier League has never had more leverage over Saudi yeah. Arabia than it has right now, which is why I keep saying I think the deal will happen. We've gone a long way here. There's an awful lot of face could be lost now if this deal doesn't go through. If Saudi Arabia wants this club, it wants a Premier League club. And it's decided it's picked Newcastle. Great. And I'm, you know, I can see it now. You know, there's, there's, there's obviously lots of potential there. Could you please, you know, meet the Premier League halfway? I, I, I find this whole, the, the criticism of the Premier League to be a little bit overplayed as well. The Premier League have, have a rule book. They have, um, they have, you know, a business model. Saudi Arabia have kind of run Rothschild over it for a while. But now there's an opportunity to get Saudi Arabia in the tent and, and then some wonderful things could flow from that. We could have life breathed back into Newcastle United. We could have a big seven, a big eight. Who knows? We want more clubs. We want more clubs challenging for the title. That's good. That's great for business. I mean, who knows? I'm going to petition for a statue to be built of you outside St. James's Park when it happens. But I, <laughs> Sorry, I did interrupt. You. I didn't mean to. But, but it, no, it, does seem, it does seem that... You know, I've always thought so. Part of my sort of confidence to use a horrible one of the words that has become such a horrible cliche around Newcastle, along with things like red flags and green lights and all that kind of stuff, and imminent and next week, uh, that my confidence has has kind of partially flowed from 
the buyers and their confidence and that their you know their determination to sort of see it through but the other part of it has been my own very strong belief when you look at football and you look at the premier league the simple a very simple rule of thumb is that money wins and that's not something i particularly like but it is you know it tends to be a fact when it comes to the premier league and i've always thought that finally ultimately eventually money will win and i suppose i mean saudi money coming yes coming into newcastle but also coming into the premier league and that there's a way of making that work work for everybody i think look yeah i agree with you i just that there are a couple things that sort of have to happen first um and i worry if if i did have a worry and it has grown um that kind of saudi pride is going to get in the way here the, the honest director test is is is, is much maligned and rightly so at times. Um, I think the thing that people need to understand about that is football's got the test that football wants. If football wanted a more robust test, you know, a genuinely, you know, you know, rigorous examination of people's bona fides and more importantly, um, business plans and putting bonds down and putting money in escrow accounts to fund clubs going forward. Obviously, you know, Wigan's been in the news a lot. Um, if that's the type of test they wanted, they could have it but they don't want it. The clubs don't want it because they know that it would make their clubs harder to sell. So they, you know, we've, we've got the test that, that we deserve, um, or certainly the football deserves. Um, and the Premier League's job is to, is to apply that test. And, you know, there's kind of two main bits to the test. One is the sort of, the people talk about the tick box exercise, which is, you know, have you been struck off as a director? Uh, can you bring your money here? Um, you know, are you on the sex offenders list? You know, things that you know, no one's no no one reputable is going to fail, and if if they would, they wouldn't go for it. You know, it's pretty obvious if you'd make it or not. It's a pretty it's an objective test. That's the whole point. Now, the other half though is the bit that that we that often people fall down on, um, and that's you know your business plan. Now, the funny thing about this deal is, I think it's the the other way around in that no one's no one's disputing that. The Saudis can fund a football club. There are a couple of things that are in the test, though, that they are struggling to answer at the moment. One is around: um, Have you done anything in your own jurisdiction that would be considered a uh, an offence here? Now, th th this is where we get into that sort of debatable issue around um, BLQ and how responsible they were for BLQ and public investment fund. Is it really a branch of the Saudi state? I think on that one, that point, it is it is the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia. It's run by the crown prince. It's run out of his office. So you know, has there been a a prosecution? No, there hasn't been a prosecution. Why hasn't there been a prosecution? Because we know why. Because no one can prosecute in Saudi Arabia and being in Qatar are being forced to go through these circular routes and et cetera, et cetera. So you know, there's there's sort of stuff there for lawyers to argue about. And the other thing is, have you dealt with the Premier League in good faith? Well, again, we get into a very debatable area there. Has Saudi Arabia dealt with the Premier League in good faith, given everything I said a minute ago? Possibly not. I mean, and that's all you need, really, isn't it? You know, possibly not for a lawyer to sort of get in there and go, well, we might have an issue here. So these are the, these are the, these are the things that have, that, have, that have held this up. Now, can Saudi fix this? Of course they can fix this. Of course they can fix this. And, and post-WTO report, there were some immediate concessions made, weren't there? There was you know, the announcement of 200 new anti-piracy rules. Um, and um, you know, suddenly, uh, well, ArabSat was already turned off at the beginning of this season. So the, the, the satellite feed of 
was turned off. The IPTV, the streaming version, is still out there, still on the set-top boxes, which which is, you can argue, you know, that that's the genie's out of the bottle and that's going to be harder to 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 rein in but but fine i mean are they actually going after people are they impounding boxes you know no could they yes they could could they properly legalize being again Le- being have no legal right to operate in saudi arabia yes people are still using Saudi. yes i know that because it's all over twitter we're, we're talking about tens of twenties of thousands that have just kept up their 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 subscriptions they've, they've, they've kept up their personal relationship with being be and have no legal right to operate in Saudi Arabia. So that's something that, that the Saudis could do. That would require, though, them kind of admitting that they had been wrong in their dealings with this Qatari company. And that, I think, is something they that the Saudis are going to have to, they're going to have to, you know, square themselves and, and, and get over. Those, those, are, those are sort of concrete measures that we haven't seen yet that is, that's in the Saudis' gift to do you know they they just need to change their attitude to be in and and follow international ip rules hello i'm james richardson host of the totally football show now part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We're going to be here following all the action as the 2020 football season reaches its belated conclusion. And if you're an Athletics subscriber, you can now hear exclusive ad-free versions of our show on the Athletic app. And don't worry, if you're not a subscriber, you can still listen to us for free with the occasional word from our sponsor by searching for The Totally Football Show on Apple, Spotify and all the usual podcast places. The Totally Football Show with me, James Richardson, still totally free and now totally ad-free on The Athletic. Interesting stuff, Chris, eh? Very interesting and just shows how complicated this is and a lot of it goes... Uh, yeah, a lot of it, I, I can't even really comprehend all of the ins uh, and yeah, outs I'll of not, it. And... I'll not pretend to have understood all of that. <laughs> no. <laughs> there, was bit, no. there was a bit of that where I was just nodding and going, yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And but, I, no. I mean, it's just it just shows that it goes, and, and this is, as Matt said himself, and this is where I, I really do feel for Newcastle fans that they've sort of all been dragged into this and as if we're meant to all be experts on things which really have gone on I mean, obviously, the, the actual political issues in the Middle East have gone on for, for generations, but then even this this issue with Qatar and, 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 and Saudi Arabia over piracy has gone on the last three years, and suddenly Newcastle United are, are front and centre of that, and yeah. then the whole future is dependent on that. And they, Yeah, it's just so frustrating and just shows how complex and this whole situation is. It is absolutely the most Newcastle United takeover ever, isn't it? Let's be honest, this is the most Newcastle thing that could have happened. I mean, the thing that I've sort of said, I mean, I know this is like counter... You know, it's counterintuitive, but in some ways we should be reassured. I mean, you've just seen what's happened at sort of Wigan, where they've had a change of ownership and it's it's very, very quickly turned sour. I mean, I don't think that this test is the sort of be all and end all. But what I, you know, what you sort of hope for is that it is a an absolute sort of detailed, minutely detailed process at the end of it, which there's been all this scrutiny. And, you know, that should be a good thing. I mean, that should be a good thing. And... It clearly isn't acceptable that um, that this piracy, you know, pr- problem can sort of exist. And I think we've said before, it's not something that can just be solved by signing something on a bit of paper. There has to be, you know, it has to be a real um, progress. I mean, I've thought all along that as we go on, you know, this is about the, you know, the buyer wants to buy, Mike Ashley wants to sell. It's in. You know, it's in everybody's interest for this to happen. 
or, the, or you know certainly the key people for it to happen and so it's about getting into a position where it can happen and you know i do think that's the i do think that's the sort of the way it's happened we've used phrases like red flags no red flags blah 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 but yet here we still are but the point is that there was nothing that stopped the deal from happening um from the outset it's been about working through things so i mean at the end of it i still think we get to the point you know i'm still convinced we get to the point that it happens but we just we just have to sit back we just have to sit back and wait for that to actually play out but i thought matt matt's fascinating because yeah. he works in those arenas that are sort of completely separate from 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 what we do so no it was great to have him on from the layman's point of view it was great to have a little bit of context added to this absolutely ridiculously complicated situation and I hope there's a lot of Newcastle fans out there who don't uh, who maybe haven't looked into the the geopolitics and the piracy side and stuff like that and maybe now have a bit of a broader understanding of the issues that are at play here and it's not just a case of the Premier League being corrupt or being incompetent or not wanting us to have nice shiny things um, it, it's a case of there being a, a really difficult process that needs to be pushed through and we need to get this sort of make sure that it's right it has to be right doesn't it because there's so many different moving parts to this and this is why it's taken so long and I thought Matt give a really nice uh, summary of, of, of all those issues and why it is taking the time it is. Anyway, thank you very much for listening uh, to Pod on the Time. It's been fun. Thank you very much for your time, chaps. Waffles, are you all right? Yes, fine, thank you. It's stopped raining now, so... Oh, good, you can get your washing, your soggy washing off the line. Yeah. Lovely stuff. George, how are you? Have you got anything nice planned for today, George? Are you just going to sit and stare out of a window with rain running down it? I'm just going to think about Chris with his sad washing. He's going to have to spin it again. That's why oh, he's really upset about that. Oh, he's going to have to God. spin his pants. Oh, oh my pants. <laughs> have to spin them. I think I'd quite like to see Chris spin his pants. Anyway, uh, thanks very much for listening. It's been fun. Hopefully we'll speak to you uh, at some point in the near future. Um, enjoy the, uh, the the City game as much as you can enjoy just, the game against Man City. Just, just enjoy you belching halfway through that wrap-up. I know. Oh, it wasn't a belch. Just enjoy this. It was a hiccup. I'm going to start again and do that again because that's disgusting. <laughs> enjoy the uh, the City game on Wednesday as much as you can enjoy your game against Manchester City. Look after yourselves and with a bit of luck, we'll speak to you soon. Uh, this has been Pod on the Time brought to you by The Athletic. And remember at the moment, we've got a 30-day free trial for all of our listeners. If you go to www.athletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod, look after yourselves and we'll see you on the other side. Take care. Bye-bye.